Anyway, we're going to get right into our, our message this morning. As you can see, we're continuing on with our series, The Eleventh Hour. And what this series is, let me just kind of remind you, this series is talking about, as you can see, are we living in the end times? Uh, everybody wants to know, when, whenever you start, listen, whenever there's a natural disaster, whenever there's a war, a rumor of war, uh, people start talking about, are we living in the last days? Well, you need to understand, yes, we are living in the last days. Uh, every generation has believed that, uh, and we are. When, when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened in Acts chapter 2, that ushered in the end-time era. We continue to be a part of that. We're part of that church, <coughs> pardon me, church era that will be right before the coming of the Lord. Uh, Jesus said that there would be some signs that would let us know that his coming is near. And one of the things that I wanted to do through this series is I, I, just, uh, I, I just wanted us to be aware that, there, there, listen, how many know there's a lot of things to distract us right now? I mean, there's just all kinds of things in the periphery that distract us from the focus that you and I are to have. And that focus is on being salt and being light in the dark world that we live in. If I'm distracted by all of these things, anybody ever seen the shell game? If I'm distracted by all of these other things that are going on, I can't keep my eye on the ball. And, and that's part of why it's important that we visit the prophetic, the eschatology, the end times on a, on a regular basis, because if not, we get so caught up in the periphery of living that we forget we're here on purpose. There's a reason that we're here. And by preaching about the imminent return of Christ, by preaching about last day events, it helps us to bring back into focus what it is that we're doing here. There's a reason that when we, get, when we were born again, that Jesus did not take us right then to heaven. It would have been really nice, but we could not have fulfilled his purpose. And so there's a reason, and that's and, and why, why it's important that we understand end-time events. Today I'm going to be talking about a bad week. How many ever had a bad week? Well, by the time I'm done with this, you're going to think yours pales in comparison to this bad week. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 30, beginning, actually just one verse of Scripture, and I know it's a little bit unusual, but it kind of sets up what I want to talk about this morning. Jeremiah 30, verse 7 says, Alas, for the day is great, so that none is like it. Now, get that. Basically, what he's saying is that there's been nothing like this before. And it is the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Alas, for the, great, for the day is great, so that none is like it. And it is a time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Now, last, the last two weeks, I've been talk, I was talking about the rapture of the church. Again, I'm a pre-tribulation guy. What that means is I believe that the, the rapture is going to take place prior to the seven-year tribulation period, okay? And, uh, and, and so that's what I preach. I know there are people that hold to different beliefs. Some believe that we'll, we'll go through half the tribulation. Some believe that we'll go through all the tribulation. Uh, I don't believe Scripture supports that. I believe it supports a pre-trib rapture. Uh, so we talked about that is the blessed hope of the church, you see, my hope is not in this next election cycle. We, how, many, how many have already tired of the, uh, poli the political uh, advertising coming on? It ruins every show on TV. You know, <laughs> I, just, I just get really, really, uh, you know, thank whoever invented the mute button, I want to shake their hand. <laughs> uh, it, uh, you know, but listen, my hope is not in, listen, now, now let me just say this, as a veteran, I do believe it's our responsibility to get out and vote. I think we ought to vote Christian values. Uh, and, and listen, we can't change things if we don't go cast our ballot. 
So we need to cast them for biblical values. Uh, very important. Uh, but, but my hope is not in that, okay? Because I've read the book. And there are a lot of people that want to talk about how that the church is going to get more popular and the church is going to get more righteous and the church is going to do this and exert all kinds of influence and society is going to get better. I don't believe that. I don't believe the Bible teaches that. I believe that the Bible teaches that iniquity is going to abound. Uh, I believe that darkness is going to continue to encroach. I believe that apostasy is coming, is already here at the door where people are not holding on and enduring sound doctrine. And that's what Paul said to Timothy, that people would not endure sound doctrine, but they would turn to doctrines of demons. And so I believe that we're living in those times, and I want to be aware of what's happening. So again, after the rapture of the church, once we are gone, if you're a born-again believer, what I'm about to talk to you about doesn't apply to you. You say, so then why do I need to know about it? Well, you need to know about it because you know somebody who's not going in the rapture. Amen. We have people that we know that are not ready. Amos said, prepare to meet the Lord. If we're not ready, they're not going to be taken. Again, I said it last week. When you breathe your last breath, you are settled for all eternity. You are in your fixed state of eternity, whatever that is, good or bad, heaven or hell. That is your choice. And when you die or the rapture takes place, it is sealed forever. Every one of these empty chairs represents a soul for whom Christ died and we are charged to reach. And that's why it's important we understand what's coming about so that we would be prepared to go out and do the work, as the Bible says, of an evangelist. Now, again, once we're gone, in the rapture, in the, rapture the world will enter into a time of unprecedented evil. Uh, again, you think you've had a bad week. You've not seen anything. In fact, the Bible... The Bible describes this time as, in our text, the time of Jacob's trouble in Jeremiah chapter 30, but then it oftentimes it's described as the day of the Lord. It's used as the day of the Lord in Isaiah, Ezekiel, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Zephaniah, and Malachi. And it all talks about the same period of time. I know people say, well, pastor, well, then what is the tribulation? Okay, why do we need the tribulation? What is the tribulation? Well, number one, the first thing is the tribulation is a day of judgment, it is a day of judgment. Isaiah 13 says, See, the day of the Lord is coming, a cruel day with wrath and fierce anger. And in verse 11 of chapter 13, Isaiah writes, I will punish the world for its evil, the wicked for their sins. Again, so, so one of the reasons that the tribulation is necessary is that it is a day of, of judgment. It is a day when all of the evil is to be judged. It's, or it's a period of time when all the evil will be judged. Secondly, it is a day of wrath, a day of wrath. Zephaniah chapter 1 says the great day of the Lord is near. The day will be a day of wrath. He goes on, verse 18, and this is very noteworthy in our culture today. Verse 18, he says, neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. That means that the feds can't print enough money to get out of the trouble they're going to be in. None of that's going to work. It is a time when God will judge and pour out his wrath. Now, uh, that's a picture of God that most people don't want to hear about today. We, we like to think of God as sitting in the celestial heavens and, and winking at our indiscretions and our sins and saying, well, boys will be boys and girls will be girls. And that's not true. That absolutely is not true. God will come back with, and, and the Bible says, with vengeance and will pour out. We are living in a time of of, of, of uncomprehensible grace right now. 
Grace is unmerited, unearned favor. That means that what I have in Christ is not because I'm anybody or anything. It's because he's everything. It is grace. He extends us grace. And right now, we are living in a time of grace. The Bible says that God is not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance. So the day of grace is right now where anybody and everybody can come. In fact, the call of Scripture is whosoever will, let him come and drink of the waters of life freely. That's the call of God. But when the rapture takes place and the tribulation uh, begins, it is a day of judgment and it is a day of wrath. And, and, and again, right now, God is a God of love and compassion. He is patient. He seeks to draw people into a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. He desires that people recognize their sin, repent, and receive salvation. The message that should be heralded across the, the pulpits of the world, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That should be the message right now. Again, unfortunately, we live in a time where there are not, not, uh, not too many people that are concerned about the end times. They're not concerned about the rapture. They're not concerned about heaven. I'm not concerned about it. I'm anxious for it. I'm anticipating. It is my, it is my hope. It is my joy. It is what I long for. In fact, uh, Ezekiel 18, verse 32, he says, For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. He says, Repent and live. Repent and live. Again, this is a time when sin will be judged and evil will be judged during this tribulation period. So, so when the tribulation happens, you say, well, why, why does there need to be a tribulation? Well, the tribulation will accomplish three things, okay, three things. Number one, it will be a time where the Gentile nations are punished, okay? So the punishment of the Gentile nations. So think about this. For thousands of years, people have rejected God's call to repentance and salvation, for thousands of years, they have turned their back. And, and you think about right now where we are as a, as a nation, and, and again, I say this with, with great uh, sadness, that we now are living in open revol- revolt against the kingdom of God. We, we, our, our government is pushing an agenda that is directly opposed to the teachings of Scripture. And it is very concerning to me. It bothers me to no end as a Again, as, a, as one who signed the blank check to the country saying I would go and, and fight and, and give my life if necessary for the freedoms, we live in a time right now where we have set ourselves up against the kingdom of heaven. And so, again, for thousands of years, man has rejected God's rule. Has rejected. Remember, when they wanted a king, remember what they said? Samuel goes to God, and Samuel's complaining about it. And, and God said, hey, Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. It's not, not about you, Samuel. And their answer was, we want to be like everybody else. And that's still the clarion call of people today. We want to be like everybody else. We don't want to live by a set of rules. We don't want to live by a set of edicts. We, don't, we want to do what is right in our own sight. And so, again, they've rejected God. They've rejected his rule. And so, during the tribulation period, God will punish humanity for their sin. Not only that, but Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 7 says that God will punish Israel's enemies as his enemies. Again, if you've not learned anything in basic uh, end time stuff, understand that God is still a God of the Jewish people. And it's very, very important that we understand that. God told them, he said, I'm going to punish your enemies as though they were my enemies. So Gentile nations will be judged by, because of their sinfulness, but they will also be judged 
related to how they treat the Jewish people. See, God made a promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. He said, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. Now, you think about this. Every time America has gone against Israel in the UN or some of these other places, it's always been followed up with a natural disaster or an economic disaster. You can call that coincidence if you want to, but God made a promise to Abraham that is still binding today that I will bless those who bless you, I will curse those who curse you. It will be a promise that will be fulfilled at the end of the tribulation. The, the, the tribulation is a time where God will judge not just the sinfulness of the Gentile nations, but also how they treat uh, the nation of Israel. Uh, it's that binding promise. Uh, isn't it any, is, is it any wonder that you see anti-Semitism uh, on the rise again in our world? It's a sign. Look up. The second thing it will accomplish, not only is it the punishment of the Gentile nations, number two, it is also a time of worldwide evangelism. Now, I know that's kind of odd. I mean, when I, when I started reading through some of the text about uh, the tribulation and end time witnessing, things like that, again, as odd as it seems, the tribulation, there will be a time of unprecedented evangelism. God's going to use, the first three and a half years, God's going to use uh, three, the, the first three and a half years, God's going to use 144,000 Jews to preach the gospel during the tribulation. And they will be mightily effective. Now, there will be people that will be saved during the tribulation. Now, I, had a, I mentioned this in the early service. I had a professor that did not believe that if a person missed the rapture uh, and went into the tribulation, he didn't believe they could get saved. Um, and I don't know. I have to leave that with God. I, I don't know. Uh, I just say that there will be people saved in the tribulation but it will cost them. It will be highly costly. In fact, most of them will pay with their lives. Um, so you have the 144,000 the first three and a half years. Then you have the two witnesses that come primarily to the nation of Israel uh, that die and then they're resurrected. Then in Revelation 14, an interesting thing, it tells how God's going to use angels to preach the gospel to those who dwell on the earth and the ones who have not received the mark of the beast. So again, during the tribulation, not only will the Gentile nations be punished, uh, worldwide evangelism will take place. And the third purpose of the, of the tribulation is to purge the nation of Israel. Purge. What do I mean by that? Well, you got to understand the nation of Israel were God's chosen people, okay? And throughout the Old Testament, not his only people, but his chosen people. So there's a difference. So throughout the Old Testament, you see the workings of God and the Jewish people. But then you get to the New Testament and you see, uh, and again, we could get into Daniel, we could talk about the times and the, t the time, the times and the half a time, uh, and, and it would be really confusing. I don't want to do that. You get in the New Testament and at the crucifixion, they were cut off because they rejected the Messiah. So, so the nation of Israel is, is guilty of rejecting the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and of having a part in his death. However, God's going to use the tribulation to prepare Israel for the return of Christ. And when Jesus returns at the second coming to the earth, he will be met by a large number, a remnant of Jewish people that have been converted to follow Jesus, Yeshua. Those are the three purposes of the tribulation. That's why I say the church is nowhere there. None of this has to do with the church. So before, the, before all this takes place, the church is raptured out. The first half of the tribulation will be relatively normal. I mean, there'll be There'll be signs, there'll be the increase of things, you'll see all kinds of things going on, but then the, the Antichrist will come on the scene. So think about this, when the rapture takes place, just say two, two and a half billion people, Christians on planet earth, are gone just like that. The Bible says in a moment, in the what? 
in the twinkling of an eye will be gone, will change. Paul said to the Corinthians, this mortal body must put on immortality, this, this, incor- this corruptible body must put on incorruption. It happens in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. So think about this. Two and a half billion people disappear off the planet just like that. You need somebody to explain that away. So you have this, I'll preach about the Antichrist next week. But then you have this figure that comes on the scene, the Antichrist, and he, establish, he starts explaining all the stuff. He comes up with all kinds of things. Uh, he establishes a peace treaty with Israel. There's a relative peace for three and a half years. Then after three and a half years, he breaks the treaty, and in all hell, literally, is, broken, is let loose. This period of time, the last three and a half years, is known as the Great Tribulation. Now, now let me just tell you how bad it is. Let me give you a little perspective. In, when, when, when Nazi Germany opened up the death camp Auschwitz in, uh, on September the 3rd, 1941, we were there just about a month ago. When they opened this death camp there, they killed 1,000 people every day for three and a half years. 1,000 people every day, Jews mainly, for three and a half years. In the Great Tribulation, the last half of the seven-year tribulation, there will be two and a half million people that die every single day for three and a half years. This time will be so deadly. The Bible says that it will be so deadly and destructive that God literally will step in to stop it lest there'll be no humanity left alive on the planet. Again, that's a bad day. That's a bad week. It's a time of judgment. It's a time of wrath. And please understand that this is brought on by, the, by each individual who has rejected over and over and over the call of God to come to a relationship. If you just take a brief look through Revelation chapter 6, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 16, it describes what it's going to look like here on earth during the tribulation. Revelation 6 tells us one out of every two people will die. Think about that. One out of every two people will die. Some will be through the ravages of war. Some will be by starvation. Some will be by beasts of the earth. I mean, think about that. Beasts, wild beasts. 50% of all people. So think about it. If two and a half billion people are gone, the world is about seven, seven, little over seven billion people. So you just say a little over four and a half billion people left here on earth. That means over two billion people will be gone, will, be, will, will die during the tribulation. That's massive. One-third, Revelation 8 tells us, one-third of all vegetation will be burned up. All grass, every tree, every green thing will be destroyed. Revelation 8 again says, the sun and the moon will be darkened as nature goes into revolt. Please understand that right now, one of the, one of the, we are the restraining force of evil right now. Don't ever underestimate your prayers for your community, for your government, for your leaders, because it is effective. Right now, the restraining, the restraining force of the Holy Spirit is what is well but i want you to imagine when that when that restraining force is taken out i mean again we look around and we think man i don't see a restraining force oh you have no idea the holy spirit through the church right now is a check on the activity of satan himself but when the church is taken out and the power of the holy spirit is taken uh and 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 left unrestrained Evil is going to be incredible. And all of creation is going to go into revolt. And that's why, Paul, uh, that's why we're told that, that the sun and the moon is going to be narc- darkened as nature. Paul said all of creation right now is groaning for the day of redemption. And as that day gets closer, it's going to revolt against the evil. 
The gates of hell, Revelation 19 says, the gates of hell will open and there will be hordes of locusts the size of horses that will come out upon the earth. Again, I'm a literalist. I, I believe the Bible. I believe it means what it says. It says what it means. And these locusts that are come out of the pit of hell itself are allowed to sting men with the pain that is so intense. The Bible says it lasts for five months. During that time, the Bible says men will beg God to let them die and they can't find death. Revelation 18 says there will be a worldwide famine unlike anything the world has ever seen. Have you been paying attention to the news lately? You've got locust swarms in the, in, in, the, in the desert areas. You've got war and you've got fire and you have drought and all of the, the, uh, the, 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 the produce and, the, and the, the, the crops. That's what I'm trying to say. The crops, they're failing. The harvest is, 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 is lessened than what it's been before. I'm telling you, there's something coming in the not-too-distant future. You know, the shells, we're very fortunate to be able to go into the store and, and, you know, if you can't buy your Del Monte green beans, there's always Libby's. And if you can't find Libby's, there's probably Hill County. (laughs) And if you can't find Hill County, you can find somebody's green beans because they're going to be there. We have a variety. But I'm telling you, there's a day coming when that won't be so. Listen, I've gone to places in different parts of the world. I can remember going to a store in Cuba, in Cuba and you walk into Cuba and they get one product. So if they have, just say they have a, a canned bean, that's all they have. They don't have assortment of food. They have green beans and you get your allotment of green beans and then that's it. And then you might get some potatoes in or something like that. I mean, it's just scarcity. Well, that's coming. That's part of what the revelation says. Revelation 14 says there's going to be a world war that is so bloody that the blood of those killed in the battle will rise to the level of a horse's bridle for 200 miles. That is the battle of Armageddon that we heard, heard about. And we've, we've been there. If you've been to Israel with me, we've been there. We've stood in the Valley of Megiddo. We've stood on the hillside looking down into the Valley of Megiddo. That's where it's going to take place. Again, it's going to be a horrible time. All told, during the Great Tribulation, as many as half of the world's population will be killed. Now, do you understand why the Bible calls the rapture of the church the blessed hope? Because we're not going to be there. Those of us who are saved will have none of these events that will come upon us. Now, that does not mean that you and I won't suffer tribulation. Jesus himself said, in the world, you will have tribulation. There's going to be bad days. There's going to be things that are unfair. You're going to suffer injustice. You're going to be treated and mistreated. And uh, listen, I've, I've read stories, and it's almost a common thing. And I, 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 again, I shudder to think about it in America that I love be in this place, but I've seen people that have been fired for their job, from their jobs because they dare pray in the classroom or in the office or post a scripture on their social media. Listen, maybe we need to rethink social media sometimes. Again, I'm, I'm just saying, I, I don't believe, you know, people said, oh, you believe y'all going to escape that? No, I don't believe we're going to escape persecution. I believe we're living in it right now. Hey, we're about to enter into a season of celebration of the birth of Jesus. Watch what happens. People are going to desecrate manger scenes around the country. They're going to do all kinds of bizarre and weird things. That's where we are right now. You know, the response, listen, why, so you say, Pastor, why do we need to hear this? Listen, we need to hear about these things so our hearts are stirred for lost humanity. Jesus came that none perish. Jesus came so that all could have the opportunity to hear the message of Christ and turn and repent. That's what our job is. 
There's a reason why you didn't go to heaven when you accepted Christ and were born again. There's an assignment that we're supposed to be doing. We talked about that last week at the Bema of Christ. We're going to be judged based on what we have done in this life. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus gives one of the clearest teachings on the end time period. And this, the tribulation in particular, Matthew 24, you can read it later. But he tells us, he said, look, this is what it's going to be like. He gives us several things. Number one, he talks about spiritual deception. Spiritual deception. He says there's going to be a rise in the appearance of people that claim to be the way of salvation. He said there'll be many that will come claiming to be the Christ. And he said, don't follow them. Again, the Antichrist and the false prophet come during this time and they deceive millions of people, billions of people into believing that they're literally gods. Listen, we live in a time right now where people are not holding on to sound doctrines. I mean, you think about what's going on in some of the mainline denominational churches right now in America. You got churches today that are splitting over the issue of homosexuality. Because you have one group that says it's not a sin, one group that says we're going to follow the Bible, and it is a sin. You've got the United Methodist Church right now that are going through a very tremendous upheaval because there's a faction that wants to endorse and ordain uh, open practice and open homosexuality and transgenderism that the Bible calls an abomination. It's happening. People are deceived. They're giving in to these doctrines that are not biblical. And, 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 and again, he said, that's a sign. Again, he goes on and he said, not only will it be a time of spiritual deception, it will also be a time of social devastation. Again, you think what happened in COVID. When COVID happened, how many families were fragmented because of COVID? Because one said wear a mask and one said don't. One said take the shot, one said don't. And it created such an angst between that there are families today that are, that are permanently fractured because of differences of opinion. Yeah. It's happened. The tribulation period will be marked with a time of instability in society. Again, you saw during the COVID, you saw the protest, you saw the the, the looting and the burning in the major cities that around our country. Who would have ever thought that lawlessness would be tolerated in the United States of America? End times would be marked by instability. There will be an increase in warfare, hostilities between nations. Again, that's, that's what's going on. There will be an increase in anti-Semitism, persecution aimed at Israel. Right now, the UN, the UN passes more resolutions against Israel than any other nation on the planet. Two or three times more. Again, there's a, there's a hatred. I don't follow this guy. I don't know much about him, but apparently some superstar named Kanye West is in hot water because of his anti-Semitic marks that have come out recently. Listen, the world's political scene is becoming increasingly unstable. You've got small nations, rogue nations that are being ruled by unprincipled men who have nuclear capability. Just a powder keg waiting to explode. There's a marked increase in hatred, again, towards the Jewish people. Ezekiel 38 and 39 talks about the, prophet, the, 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 the end time invasion of Israel. Ezekiel 38 says, God said, I will speak to the ones of the north, which most scholars believe refers to the northern alliances of Russia and Turkey and some of those. He said, I'll put a hook in your mouth and I'll draw you down. I told you last week, you better pay, better pay attention to Nord Stream 1, Nord Stream 2, both of those major uh, gas lines sabotaged now they can't produce and ship their oil and gas guess who has oil and gas that has plenty of it israel 
Again, could that be the hook that God uses in the end time to pull them down? But when they get down there, Ezekiel 38, 39 speaks of that invasion, but it, fal it falters because God steps in once again to protect his people. Again, the Bible says that war will be of such magnitude. Ezekiel 39, verse 39 says that the, that the children of Israel will, will take the debris from that war and will use it for fuel for seven years. That's how massive that is. It'll be, a, it'll be marked by a time of desperation. Again, there, again, there's a global famine unlike anything we've seen before. We're very blessed, blessed in our nation, but I'm telling you, there are places around the world right now people literally are starving to death. Starving to death. It also, Jesus said in verse 7 of Matthew 24, it'll be a time marked by diseases. Diseases, think about this, pestilence, tribulation. There'll be time of diseases that will run rampant on the earth, killing millions we just had an example with COVID. You had Ebola, monkeypox. You've got the resurgence of polio and, 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 and other types of diseases coming. It's part of the end times. This is what it will be like. It'll be a time marked with disasters. Jesus said that these earthquakes and natural disasters will occur with greater frequency. How many have noticed the 20th century? We've had more earthquakes than that same period of time in history. The earth is groaning in travail waiting for that day of redemption. Again, these are signs that are setting the stage for what's going to happen in the future. I told you last week that we have people today that want to start talking about climate change and all this kind of stuff is the reason we have more storms and more intense storms and all this kind of stuff, and I say nonsense. It's the end time stuff. Jesus said it's going to happen. Listen, man can't destroy what God created. Now, that doesn't mean I don't believe we ought to be stewards of the creation that God's given to us. I believe you ought to be. You shouldn't be throwing things out the window of your car. Shouldn't be littering, shouldn't be polluting, shouldn't be pouring oil in the lakes. You know, how many know that's bad? Shouldn't be doing that. We should be good stewards. But these are signs of the end time. It would be time marked by disobedience. Disobedience. What does that mean? It means that we're living in a time, the tribulation period, the time leading up to it will be a time that will be marked by a total disregard in the sanctity of life, the sanctity of property, and the sanctity of the rights of others. And you know what? That's tomorrow's newspaper. We've got, as we move into the midterm elections right now, we've got a major, we've got a major political party that their main platform is killing babies. That is it. That, that is their main platform is killing the lives of innocent babies. And I'm sorry if that offends you, but that's the truth. They don't have anything else to offer except the right to kill babies and to do right, which is in your own sight. That's all they have. He said it would be a time mark like that. You think about the runaway, and I don't mean to say that, jump out here, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, the, again, the rights of the individual, property rights. We've got taxes that I, I have a good friend of mine having to sell his property because he can't afford to pay property tax. If you've see, received your property tax bill, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. We live in a time right now where there's disregard for life and for liberty and for property and the rights of others. Again, think about all these families that have been uh, fractured and fragmented because of the differences of opinion. We've had a, we have a, a government now that openly pits one group of people against a, another group of people. Totally wrong. And that, that's where it is. Another thing Jesus said, not only will it be a time of disobedience, but he said it will be a time of betrayal and hatred. 
Well, you have one side actually hating the other. And we see it today. Verse 12, he said, wickedness and the love of sin. Tribulation will see a time where there will be an increase in man's attraction and indulgence in sin. And boy, isn't that the time now? We live in a hedonistic society. What is hedonism? Hedonism is pleasure first. If it feels good, if it feels right, it must be right. If it, how can it be so wrong if it feels so right? That's the mantra of today's culture. Listen, when the church is gone, when the church is raptured out of here, all restraints on society is going to be removed, every bit of it. No longer will there be a presence of people filled with the Holy Spirit. No longer will there be a people that will be praying for society, praying for the government, praying for their neighbors. The, the, the world will continue to slide into hell following sin with all of its, with all of its power and prestige that it offers. That's where it is. In fact, Paul said that the last days would be marked as a time of people having a form of godliness but denying the power. One of my pet peeves in today's Christendom is I can't tell you how many times I've seen a, a prophet, prophetess, apostle, someone who claims to walk in the fivefold ministry of the church, according to Paul in Ephesians 5 or 4, Every time they want to give somebody a word, it's about how God's going to bless them with a million-dollar idea, how God's going to give them this and give them that and make this and make that. Listen, I'm all for the blessings of God. My life has been blessed. I believe if you follow Jesus, you'll be blessed beyond comprehension. But you know what? Where's the ones standing up saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near? You don't hear that anymore. You don't hear that anymore. Again, there's a form of godliness. There's no power. We have people that walk in with literally, that, 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 that are laden down with the cares of life. And because the church is inept and powerless, the same burdens that bring them in are the same burdens that take them out. You used to sing that song, uh, leave them there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. But today, because we're powerless and anemic in spiritual things, People are weighted down and they come in and because we've been, listen, we've been, we've been chasing things that are unsound. Today we have people that are looking for messages that boost their self-esteem but do nothing for their eternal souls. Listen, I would, I've been accused now through the years of, of being too hard. In fact, I had one guy tell me, he said, you know, if you lighten up a little bit, you'd have more people in the church. I said, yeah, but if I lighten up, I said, well, then I may run the chance of standing before the Lord one day and having somebody say, why didn't you tell me the truth? Listen, I believe in the blessings in favor of God, and I've preached enough sermons here in 30 years to, I enjoy the hooping and hollering and the, and the expression, but you know what? Sometimes we've got to get down to brass tacks where the rubber meets the road and understand that we live in a time where people would heap unto themselves, teachers having itching ears, only to be, hear what they want to hear. So what do we do? We preach messages that make people happy and then they dance off to hell. That's not, that's not the way it should be. Suffice it to say, guys, come on back as I wrap this up. Suffice it to say that the tribulation period will be like taking our worst week <laughs> on steroids, multiplying it hundreds of times. The Antichrist is going to burst on the scene 
He's going to come on with great boasting. He's going to deceive most of the world. He'll declare, he'll come declaring peace and safety and detente and all of these things. And he'll deceive the world into signing with him a, a, a declaration of peace. And then three and a half years later, he's going to break it. Jesus said, told the Jews, when you see the Antichrist, the abomination of desolation, when you see that, when this guy starts claiming to be God and you see through the lies, the Bible says it will usher in that last period of time where the Israelites will be, treat, will be persecuted relentlessly. For seven years, hell is free to run rampant on this earth. The restraining force of the Holy Spirit is taken out through the church and the rapture. Evil is free to wreak havoc upon society as God pours out his wrath and judgment upon those who have rejected the call. After seven years, see, there's always an end. Remember what he told Satan when he appeared before the Lord and God said, hey, in Job, he said, where did you come from? And he said, to and fro. And he said, have you considered my servant Job? Remember what he did? He put a, he put a line. He said, you know what? Basically, Lucifer said, you know, the only reason he follows you is because you've got a hedge of protection around him. If you'll take that away from him, he'll, he'll curse you. God said, Okay. He said, tell you what, go ahead and have at it, but you can't touch him. You can't touch him. And he drew that line. See, God always puts a book into it. So for seven years, hell is unleashed on this earth. Seven years, wrath and, and, and judgment are poured out upon this earth. <clears throat> After seven years, Jesus comes back in the second coming. And this time he doesn't come the way he did the first time. See, the first time he came as, a, as a, an example of the compassionate, loving God. He came wrapped in swaddling clothes. He set, laid aside his divine prerogatives and he took upon himself human flesh. He became one of us to do what we could not do ourselves. That's why John said the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He came, became one of us. He came to an obscure little village called Bethlehem. Tiny baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, not even placed in a, and didn't even have a hotel room, was in a carved out cave in the side of a hill. Stinky feces all around from the animals. But he's the son of God. He came to do, as he came as a suffering servant to give his life as a ransom for our sin. That's the way he came the first time. He was meek and he was lowly. When he went into Jerusalem on that triumphant entry, he came in riding on a donkey. They held him, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But the second time he comes, he's not coming like that. He won't come meek and lowly. He won't come to some obscure, carved out hole in a, in a side of a hill in Bethlehem. He comes as King of kings and Lord of lords. Revelation 19 gives us a picture John was able to see that event. John writes, he said, and I saw heaven open and behold a white horse, conqueror. <laughs> and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. And he has a name written that no man knows but he himself. And he was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him. That's us. If you're a believer, that's us. We've gone to the Bema. 
We received the reward. He said, you're going to come back, follow him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen. What is the fine linen? It's the works of righteousness that we do right now. And he goes on, he says, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. That with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierceness of wrath of Almighty God. He hath on his vesture and on his thigh name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. See, this time when he comes back, he's not hiding. In fact, another verse of Scripture says, every eye shall see him. When he splits that eastern sky and he comes back, he's not coming back as a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes that we pull out at Christmas time and we, oh, how cute and, you know, and all that stuff. He's coming back as a conquering king. And not just any king, the king of all the universe. And he will come and he will set up his kingdom for 1,000 years where he'll rule and reign in righteousness. Listen, when he comes back, I want you to understand, there is no future battle. We talk about the battle of Armageddon. We talk about this. There is no future battle to decide who wins the universe. That's already been decided before the foundation of the world. When Jesus comes back, he just kind of mops up. He just, you know, he comes back. There's not going to be this long, drawn-out battle of Armageddon. The Bible says he'll come back, and with just in a moment's time, with the word of his mouth, he'll destroy all the armies of the enemy. He'll set up his, his worldwide rule in an instant. The tribulation will end with the battle of Armageddon, Jesus setting up his thousand-year millennial reign. Listen, as I close this morning, as bad as it's going to be, Paul said to the Thessalonians, and he says to us, that God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ. If you've been born again, none of these things are to fear. You don't have to worry about these terrible days that are coming Uh, Again, I've just scratched the surface of what's going to happen. Again, there's just so much information, but you just need to understand it's going to be a bad day. And even the people that we like the least, how you like that, how I said that, like the least, (laughs) you don't want to wish it on them. You don't want to wish it on them. One of the reasons that we have to be mindful of these end time things is to be motivated to stay focused His last word to the church outside of Revelation was to go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples of all people. That's still our mandate. That's still our mandate. It's not for a select few. It's for every born-again believer. We are to do the work of an evangelist. And when I keep the end times in perspective, it helps me to stay level-headed. Listen, we live in a crate. I'm glad I'm not God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's okay to amen. You're going to hurt my feelings, I promise you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm not. Because with all this crazy stuff going on in the world today, my finger would be getting a workout. Amen. Oh, yeah? Watch this. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I'm glad that I serve the judge who judges righteously and holy. And what he does is right and what he says is right. Won't you stand with me this morning? Are we living in the last days? I believe we are living in the last times. I believe that if you look around at the signs, and again, I know, I know there are people today that think the church is kind of kooky. You know, you really believe that kind of stuff? I absolutely do. Like the woman at the Samaritan, like the woman at the, at the well. She goes back, to, she goes back, you know, she met Jesus. <laughs> 
she goes back to town. I, I taught on her just a couple weeks ago, and I said, you know, think about this lady. He said, go bring your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. I have, I've, I've had five. He said, well, you've done true. She said, he said, you've had five, and the one you're with now is not your husband. Kind of called her out on the carpet a little bit. And the Bible says that when they had their conversation, she goes back to the village. Now, you got to understand, she didn't have time to sit through the new, begin, new believers class. She didn't learn the Romans road. She just met a man, and so she goes back to her village and said, hey, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Christ? And the Bible says because of her, that village was converted. See, what I'm saying is we just need simple faith to simply tell people about Jesus. My testimony is come see a man who revealed to me my fruitless and futile searching for an answer. And if he did it for me, he can do it for you. Again, since 1985, I've not questioned it. I've not doubted it. I've not wanted to turn my back on it. Oh, there are things I need to know, (laughs) or at least I think I need to know. But I'm okay with that. Won't you bow with me this morning as we close in prayer? If you're online this morning, won't you comment? I know this, these messages, I, I enjoy messages that get us in our feels and make us feel good and shouting, happy and excited. This ought to make us excited in the sense that Jesus is coming. He's coming. But while he tarries, we still have something to do. And these messages help us to stay motivated to to, to keep in perspective what we should be doing, and that is reaching lost and hurting people with the message of Jesus. It's up to us. So two things this morning as we pray. As they sing, I want you to come this morning. I want you to lay it down. Number one, this. If you've lost the hope of heaven, I don't mean you've lost your salvation. That's not what I mean. If you've lost the hope of heaven, that means that if heaven is not something that you think about and long for, then ask God to stir your heart again for that blessed hope. Ask him to fan in the flame that once again that compels me to get out of bed every morning and tucks me in every night to tell people about Jesus. Second thing is this. If you're here this morning and you have a need, anything going on in your life, say, Pastor, I just need to lay it down at the altar. Maybe you're burdened, laden, heavy laden with all kinds of cares of life. Today's the day to take that and just say, Lord, I just give it to you. I'm not going to worry about it any longer. I'm not going to sit there and toss and turn and fret. I'm going to release it to you and let you give me that peace and joy that only comes from you. As they sing, would you come this morning? Listen, don't lose sight of heaven, church. Don't lose that hope. Press on till Jesus comes.
things in life the theological term is he's immutable he's unchanging the same yesterday today and forever if he came through yesterday he'll come through today if he delivered you yesterday he'll do it today if he provided yesterday he'll do it today he won't fail you now this morning put your confidence in him hope thou in God father today I love you so much and I thank you Thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. Lord, I know these sometimes can be very heavy messages as we talk about the end times and your wrath and judgment being poured out. But they're necessary things to help us stay grounded and focused on what we're here for. So, Father, I pray as we walk out of here today that we take the words of that song to heart that you won't fail us now. No matter what we're dealing with and struggling with, you won't fail us. You'll come through for us. So, Father, may we walk out of here rejoicing in our blessed hope that the rapture will take us to that place that you've prepared for us. But while we yet live, Lord, put people in our pathway that we can share the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to plunder hell and populate heaven. Go with us, I pray. Give us a wonderful, restful day. and. Should you, Terry, bring us at the next appointed time. I love and bless each one now in the mighty name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. Thank you for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you, and I love you very much.
Yeah.